The Story in Your Head, Episode 5, Creating Who Others Are for You. Welcome to the podcast, The Story in Your Head, where we explore how the stories in your head can influence your actions and the actions of others. This is Michelle Masago. And this is Ron Macklin. On the last episode, we were discussing how to create your own way of being. And Michelle was telling us a beautiful story about her daughter. And we're going to continue that conversation where we will talk about creating who others are for you. I know you've done this for others, and you've probably tried many times others than, you know, that have been successful, some that are not so successful. What shows up? Yeah, so the first thing that hit me is the responsibility, right? It, it is a big responsibility, and it was life-changing for me, and I, I needed to make some choices when somebody said, you belong, right? And it was like the perfect word because I was probably whispering to myself, you don't belong here right? It, and it's amazing that the people pick out the exact same words to the other way that you're, you're whispering. And so when I think about who others are for me, the story that comes to my mind the most is my daughter, right? And that is, how did I see her? And what was I noticing about her? And what it hit me is holiday season coming up or was just passed. And one of the things I always do is I buy her a t-shirt. And every year I buy her a t-shirt that's sarcastic and snarky, right? Because that's who she was. She's a sarcastic and snarky 17, 18-year-old. But guess what? She's 24. She's not a snarky. And, and I remember taking the t-shirt out of the wrapper and holding it up to make sure it was the right one, right, that I was going to give her. And I'm like, it just hit me. It's like, oh, my God, this is how I see my daughter. So every word that she says is this t-shirt. It was like this physical thing that was in front of me. I said, but that's not her anymore. She graduated college. She's actually living with us. She was one of the people that really helped me take care of my mom who lived with us and needed caregiving. And she was amazing. Never complained and was always there for us and was always there for her grandmother and created a very special relationship with her. And I was like, wow, that's not a snarky teenager anymore. That's a beautiful adult, young adult, that's trying to figure out their way in this very complicated world and trying to figure out who she is. And so what I did is I bought another t-shirt, right? It was something around leadership. And I gave her both t-shirts because part of my gift was not only the t-shirts, but the story that I shifted in me about who she is for me and that she is my beautiful daughter a young adult working their way through the world, and I'm here to help her do that, not to support her being a snarky teenager. And our relationship shifted. So, you know, I guess I saw it more in me for that first one than I saw something in her. And when I did that, now I see her as the beautiful young adult that she is. So I don't know if that quite answers your question, but that's the story that popped into my head. Thank you, Michelle. The stories that come into my head, thank you for sharing about Camille. The story that comes into my head around this is all the people throughout my entire career, I've made up that they're an asshole or they're mean or they're jealous or they're discriminatory or they're sexist. And when I 
really stop to, to take responsibility for who I've created them to be, I realize that I'm not being a part of like helping them be successful, right? Phil Mesher, great leader, influential in my life, even though I probably only spent maybe 40, 50 hours around him over a period of about five years. And in the space, one of the things he said that stuck with me was everybody comes into work every day to do a great job. I believe that. We all do. And when I can remember and hold that, then if they're an asshole, it's because I've made up a story that they're an asshole. And if I see them as an asshole, it will be just the same as the person who said, you belong here, right? Because we don't just communicate with our words, right? Like the guy who noticed you, he noticed your facial expressions, the way you were sitting, where your hands were placed. He, he noticed everything about your body and he could see something. And then he had the courage to say something. So we don't have to say, I think you're a jerk. I think you're an asshole. We don't have to say that. They'll know it. They can see it in how we look at them, how we walk with them, the emails, we see, everything about that. They'll notice that, right? And they'll make up that they are that. And they'll pull the shield out and protect themselves. Just like we can share authentically, and they will drop their shields because they can be authentic too. They can be vulnerable, just like we're being vulnerable. So to create who other people are is a responsibility, right? Because when I see the space of somebody's an asshole and I can hold that I'm contributing to that, I'm helping them create that, I can be responsible for saying, no, I'm not going to do that. And what is, I don't know how many times this has happened in my life. I'll, I'll share the one with, with, with Reed Hayward. Reed and I first met. And we were having a conversations and I said something, he said something, and we were pretty clear that we were both assholes. No, wait, arrogant assholes, right? And we basically didn't talk at all. Like we would talk, but in the same area, but we would kind of like snide remarks to each other. And then Mike O'Connell said to Reed, he says, Reed, you need to get to know Ron. He's, he's not who you think he is. And Reed's going like, Oh, I know the fuck he is. <laughs> I know exactly who he is. No, I'm not going to do it. He goes, no, no, you need to get to know him, right? So I reached out to Reed. Reed responded. We had a conversation. Now, remember, this is somebody I was sure was an asshole. I was creating him to be an asshole. And by Mike O'Connell and others that tossed the lines and believed in the two of us, it wasn't just that we were both good guys. We were so much alike the way we raised our families, the way we believed in life, that we hunted, that we, we had a, a desire to learn. We were craving it and crazy about leading and helping other people and really building our, our worlds around it to where Reed and I are still very close friends. Yet, we've, we've, we've always laughed about it. We get together and how if somebody hadn't believed in us, we would never have become friends. And yet he occurred to us. We both occurred to each other that way. Now, if that's true for Reed and I, is it not true as a possibility for every person on the planet? That if we create them to be whatever, like an asshole, a racist, a bigamist, whatever you create them to be, mean, uh, superior, below, whatever that story is you have, they will become that. Or if we can really believe in them, we could actually connect and become friends. Great story. 
So how the mechanics behind, did you just decide one day, Reed is a great guy and I believe in him? Is it that simple of just saying that statement to yourself? Do you have to say it to him? Do you have to say it to others? What is it? Like, how, how do you do that? First, it starts with creating your own story about yourself. Like, I'm open to Reed. I'm open to being in a conversation with Reed, right? And to see him as a space of possibilities. So that's nothing about Reed. That's about me and my view of Reed or of anybody. And then to connect with somebody and to build that relationship, there's a space to clear up the bullshit you created in your own head, right? The story of you're an asshole, right? And to go to him and say, no, no, I made up this story and I had no reason for it. I had no grounding for it. And I apologize. Right. And then there was a space where like, it's so funny is he had the same interpretation. And when we cleaned it all up, we've joked about it, but you know, we, we would go to each other's funerals, even though we live 2000 miles apart. Sometimes we've lived about 9,000 miles apart. But we would go to each other's funeral. Because the self that he is and the person that he is and my initial reaction, which is all based on my fears, was I'm not going to talk to that guy. And so the first step is working on your own story. And the second step is reaching out to them, creating who they are for you. And then anything that you've made up, clean it up. And that means admitting it, being vulnerable. And nothing builds a connection faster than being vulnerable. Mechanics of that are, while you're being vulnerable, they're not listening to your story. They're, they're really looking at their own story about what they made up. And if you've been vulnerable first, it gives them the space to be okay with being vulnerable second. Yeah, thanks, Ron. That's powerful, that vulnerability piece. The other thing I find that's very powerful for me is right. always have these wonderful phrases and stories buzzing through my head is when I say it out loud, right? So with my daughter, I think what did it for me, I held up that t-shirt and said, oh, look at a great t-shirt about sarcasm. And I did the, oh crap, a great t-shirt about sarcasm. Because <laughs> I said it out loud and I heard my words. And I may have never said that out loud before. And that's what started to shift it for me. So a lot of times you do that, did I say that out loud? right? And, and that's when you got to deal with it, really deal with it, is when you say it out loud and put it out there into the world. There's a different mechanics of how the brain works. When we're having thoughts, it's perturbing a certain part of our brain. When we say something out loud and it goes out and goes back into your own ear, right? It perturbs a different part of the brain. We notice ourselves differently when we say things out loud. It occur, we occur differently. And we occur more how other people would notice us because we're going to perturb the same part of the brain that when we speak, we perturb them. So saying things out loud, very, very powerful. It certainly is. So these are some great practices. How do you practice this? How do you sort of build it into your everyday living, right? It's one thing to think about it, talk that on a podcast. Oh yeah, great. Yep, I'm going to do that next time. I, as soon as I get off this podcast, Mm -hmm. but it takes a little bit of practice. So how, how did that work for you and how long did it take? And like, 
Well, I'll, I'll let you know when it's done. Tell me more. Because right now I'm still practicing and continuing to learn in what I'm doing. I'll share some of my practices. And that is like before we got on a call today, because I was walking down the stairs, coming over, I created my way of being. And I created who you were for me. right? And I actually created who the listeners were. Now, that's great, but it's like, that, that, that takes care of me, but how do I, how do we build the skill as a group? Right. First is like, whenever we start a call or whatever we do, I always take the time to create who everybody is for me and who I am for myself. And I request everybody else to do the same if they choose, there's no, like you should or shouldn't do it. What people notice is as they create their way of being, it shifts their orientation, whatever was going on at that moment during the day, right? They come out of that moment that they drifted into and they go into creating their way of being. And what that means is they can now be what they create versus what they drifted into. That is a way of being responsible, but it's also a way of not letting being at the effects of the day, but being at the cause of the action. I'll just share one more thing. Whenever I'm going to speak, one of the ways of being that I create for myself and I create for others is that, that evil word that's so hard to, to use, and that is enough, right? And I tried the language of I'm enough and yeah, it kind of worked sometimes, sometimes didn't. But when I use this word, I surrender to I'm enough. It allows me to be in the moment in the now and everybody else to be in the now and we are enough. And for some reason, the word surrender really affects like the way I am being in the world. It allows me to just be. What? Thank you, Ron. So one of my husband's favorites word is surrender, right? Usually whenever something happens that is not quite what he expected, he's like, oh, I'll just have to surrender to it. And he said it for so many years. And I didn't really understand what he was doing to maybe two years ago, <laughs> right? When I had to do some similar things on the surrender word, because a lot of things sort of happened in our lives and we couldn't change it. And it's like, well, one thing I can be pissed off about it, or I could just go with it. And adding that word surrender in the enough, I surrender to be enough. That's powerful. I'll have to think about that, but I never put those two together before. You know, that you belong was pretty powerful. And I think this is sort of the next stage because it puts you right, right in the now. So I want to thank you for that. You're very welcome. It triggers when I use it, what this is what I notice is I can just be me. And what I find is there are parts of me that I have built with practice and strategy and all that that I keep hidden unless I can surrender. And then when, I, when I've surrendered to it, they, they come out and I go, ooh. At the end, many times at the end I go, ooh, that was really good. Wow, right? And nobody seems as surprised as I do. They'll go like, oh, no, that's you. Yeah, 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 that's great. And I'm going like, wow, that was me. I, I, didn't, I didn't know that was coming, right? But that's a part of believing that you're enough and surrendering to we're enough. Yeah, one comment I want to make is surrender doesn't mean give up, right? It doesn't mean you're giving in. It just means you're open to the possibility of what happens, right? Whatever that might be. And it's okay. So it's not giving up. It's not saying, oh, forget it. Whatever happens, happens. No, right? That's how I'm thinking about it. It's more, I surrender to what happens and that I am enough whether it's not perfect, well, it won't be, hardly anything's perfect, 
and that's okay. But my intentions still stay there. So I'm still working this a little bit. So maybe you can, you can add a little bit to that. What would your world or your life or everything, like all the people around you and everything in that, inside that space be like when everyone crafts their way of being before everything and everyone creates who others are going to be every time. Now, this is a big shift because it's not a practice. It's not a, like, we're not all in practice and all that kind of stuff, so we, we could kind of fall into the baseball rules, which was basically if you hit the ball one out of ten times, you're going to go to Hall of Fame. This is more of a how do we move closer and closer to that place where every time you go into conversation, you create your way of being, and every time you go into conversation, you create who others are going to be for you. And everybody starts to open up and be authentic with each other. What would that be like? What does the picture look like when that is happening? Now, we, we see it on our calls. We see it on the arena calls. We see like, like there's an open, there's an authenticity, there's a safety, there's a, a place where people can express all kinds of things that they didn't even know they had. And they're talking about them and bringing up those concerns. And because they, they feel like, they belong there and it's okay. Talk about anything. What if we did that in every conversation we had? Yeah. So what comes to mind there is, is trust, right? Like arena calls and some other things, people are in similar practices. There's a lot of trust. And what I mean by trust in that is no judgment, accepting people for who they are and moving through. So if you create and I'm assuming, do you tell everybody how you create yourself and others? Does it open up a space for trust? When you accept somebody as who they are and also maybe who they are not, is there another word that you use to describe that besides trust? Well, human, right? Because they are who they are. Well, trust is more of an environment. All right, I'm going to need a little help here. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> this is not a quiz. For those of you who are listening, I'm not trying to quiz <laughs> Michelle. Love is to accept uh, who somebody is and who they are not. I notice that we can get all twisted around about the word of love, like romantic love and all that space. And, but it's really to love someone is to accept them as they are and as they are not. And when you create who they are going to be, who you want them to be, right? When you create yourself as who you want to be, there's a space for people to display, to receive love and, and to really open and be caring about each other, which we're social animal, probably the most plastic, most advanced social animal in the world. And we really do need each other. Yeah. So thank you, Ron. Those four little words get us all the time, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I accept. Those four little words do get us all the time. And I crafted, I am enough, <laughs> even though I didn't get the word. <laughs> so I'm good with it. No problems. And I appreciate that because love is really accepting someone who, who they are, no matter what. It's just, they're just being them. Yeah. And holding that, and just reflecting a little bit, holding that, crafting that way of being for others, right? It doesn't have to be romantic love, but that openness that it creates let you just see people as people, no matter what their views are, and that's perfectly fine, right? Because that's what they hold. And that opens up for me a lot of space for everybody. Thanks, Michelle. 
All right, so another question on this one. So we talked about creating your way being and creating who others are for you. And this is just something that, that I thought about is, do you create it for each person? Do you create it for a group? Do you create it for both? I'm just thinking you're running into a big room, a big meeting, there's a hundred people. Mm -hmm. Do you do a team approach? Do you do a group? Do you do individuals? Do you do key people? What's your practice? Well, there's not like a set of official rules and guidelines for how to, to do this, right? So, uh -huh. right? so I'm making it up as I go. I have gone into a room with 150 people and I created them as a group. As a group, this is what they care about. This is who they are. This is who they are for me. And this is how they're going to see me. Right? So it's not just how I create who I'm going to be, who they're going to be, right? but also how they're going to see me. But I've also gone in sometimes in different meetings. I'll like create a group and then I'll notice a moment where I go, well, you guys are all really great people except for that asshole right over there. Right. <laughs> and then I'll go, oh yeah. Okay. So I need to create that person. Right. Cause I, I can feel the, my body shifting and all that stuff inside there. And I go, okay, got it. I'm going to create that person. So it's not like there's rules or guidelines. It's whatever works. And the experiments are, when you notice your hands clenching, when you notice your legs tightening, your feet uncomfortable or swollen, your stomach upset, your you know your whatever that whatever that is that triggers you, right? Normally that means you've got a story about somebody in the room that's not really taking care of you, and it's definitely not taking care of them. When you can notice that and you recraft it, that's the trigger. Yeah, I wish I had all this when I was like twenty. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's why I'm so jealous of Camille. Right. Yeah. But, and I was talking to Jason Tanaka, who's got a nine-year-old. What if we were to, to be able to teach this skill to nine-year-olds? That would be an interesting experiment. And what I mean by that is I think I learned over the many years to create people in ways that are negative, right? Because there's gossip about somebody. Oh, that person's a jerk. So I walk into the room with that person's a jerk. I've never met him before, but I carried it, mm -hmm. right? Or like anybody from that company, right? Start to get bigger. Anybody with that, boom. And you start to get groups of people that you can even label. Yep. What if I learned early on that, no, every person's an individual, right? And I can create them any way I want. Wow, what a difference that might make. Yep. What a difference that would make. What current problems would be solved? For me, that unconscious bias, right? At least you'd be conscious of it and to do a little bit more. And what I noticed for me, one of the practices that I have is when I have that gossip behind or I can see somebody's, you know, what I call the scrunchy face, right? They're in a, they're in a mood. It's somebody that always, you say good morning, they say no, right? There are those people in the world. I never want to create myself as curious. And I find when I do that, when they say no, I'll just say, why do you say that? Or what's going on, right? To question into it. And it opens up such a conversation and I don't need to be mad at that person for absolutely no reason, except that they said no to me, right? When, you, when I sort of pull it apart, it's ridiculous, you know, just because they had a face that I had to make up this story and do that. So what if it, that didn't occur, right? and at least listen to the viewpoints that are out there. That's great. Thanks, Michelle.
This is Ron Macklin. And this is Michelle Masago. And you're listening to The Story in Your Head. And you just completed the episode, Creating Who Others Are for You. Please remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast platform. Thank you. Have fun, and we'll see you soon.